right, welcome back to the I'm There podcast, guys. I'm your host, Freyway, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Kenny. And oh, oh, every time it feels so good. <laughs> and today, so good. today we are going to do a recap of the 2022 Game Awards. We actually brought this up the, for the first time in our God of War episode. So recently, for the last like three episodes or something, I think we did God of War 1, 2, 3 in 2018. And uh, in that episode, we talked about how God of War Ragnarok was nominated for Game of the Year, which I think is pretty controversial because that game just came out. So it has been a month now since it came out, but it was announced as Game of the Year, as a Game of the Year candidate slash nominee, like the first week, like literally week one, seven days had passed and the list of awards and nominations had come out and God of War Ragnarok was on it, which I just don't think, and we said this in the episode, but I just don't think God of War Ragnarok should be nominated for Game of the Year and it came out in November 9th. Meanwhile, like Elden Ring, yeah. Stray, and all the other games that are nominated, they all came out at, you know, way earlier. There's been at least six months for most of them that they've been out. Whereas God of War came out the week of nominations, and it's like nominated for multiple awards too. Like not even, it wasn't just game of the year. We didn't know at the time when we recorded that episode, but now that I've watched the game, oh, awards, it was, it was a nominated for like fucking everything it could be nominated for, it was nominated for. And spoiler alert, it like wins everything except game of the year every category that it's in it it wins it wins all but one category like it 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 kind of like swept the game awards which is uh, to me i just think that it should have been in a 2023 game awards because it came out so late but if you want to hear more about that discussion and just more about god of war in general because god of war is an awesome game uh if you want to hear more about that just check out that episode of the podcast that we did already but yeah this is wonder is like i i really wonder how much i really wonder how much like um back like backdooring happens because i wonder if they were like they, i wonder if they just kind of wanted to force it into this year because they thought their best chance of winning was this year and maybe they didn't want to go up against zelda next year so they were like well zelda comes out next year we want to like we yeah we kind of said that too because zelda zelda is a award darling but i think that the interesting thing is that elden ring is also an award award darling because it's like the oblivion yeah, it's a tough spot right no matter how you look at it and it, it's a tough spot for everybody i think I, so i think zelda yeah. if zelda was in this year it would be bad for like zelda elden ring and god of war like no matter how you yeah, look it's at tough it right? for all of them. it's it's tough like all of them are equally as like ridiculous as far as game of the year goes and if all three were in the same i don't even know what people would vote for because like i don't have a horse in this race i don't play elden ring although Recently, I, I kind of was like, okay, maybe I will actually try it, but like, I don't have time to yet because I'm still on God of War Ragnarok and like, I plan to play Breath of the Wild. But like, at some point, I was like, man, Elden Ring is still getting expa- like expansions and content and stuff like that. But yeah, I think uh, I, I agree. Yeah. With, I agree with what you're saying. No, like, it is a weird spot to be in because you're sandwiched in between God of War and Elden Ring, and Zelda comes out the next year, and Breath of the Wild won Game of the Year when it came out. God of War won the year after that. So yeah, Eld- Elden Ring was the wild card here. As far as like, how yeah. is this going to perform against the two games that had already won game of the year, right? Like that's kind of where Elden Ring fell and Elden, yeah, Ring, yeah. Elden Ring comes out. But Tears of the Kingdom wasn't announced when Elden Ring came out. So Elden Ring was like, we're just going to release this game, this amazing game, apparently, and hope for the best. And the best happened. They got they got game of the year. And I think I think it deserves it off the just off the basis that as a person who still has not beaten God of War Ragnarok because it literally came out four weeks ago. Uh, I just think that it should not have even been in the category. I've never have seen it go up against Zelda and there's like a full like Zelda's yeah, coming out next, awesome. Zelda's coming out next year in May or June. And that is plenty of time that by November of twenty twenty three for it to be nominated for Game of the Year. And then God of War would have been out since November of the prior year. Obviously plenty of time for that to be nominated as well. And then those two go head to head and Elder Ring just like sweeps this year. But whatever, this is what we yeah. got. 
Uh, it this is, is what, what it we is. got. November, I said this in the God of War episode, but November needs to just be the cutoff. Like, if a game comes out November 1st, like, it should not be included in that year's Game Awards. Yeah. That's crazy. I think you even went as far as to say, like, October is even still. Like, I, I think your cutoff in a podcast was like August 31st or something like that was when. Maybe you, August. August is wild. Yeah. Like, maybe, well, it goes from year to year. So it would be like, it would be September 1st of the last year to August 31st of the next year. Yeah. So it's, it's still 12 months. Yeah, yeah, but like there has to be some kind because if the Game Awards are going to be in November, it just seems silly. Because even the Grammys have a cutoff. Like albums that were are released in November are not nominated for Grammys in the following year. With Grammys are like February, uh, so you can't win a Grammy if you release an album in November. Like that doesn't work like that. You have to wait until the following year yeah. after that to win a Grammy. And I think that makes sense. Like I think that to say album of the year came out November twenty fourth. And like the gra- the Grammys are February, and you're telling me that an album that came out in November just like wins everything or like yeah. wins the biggest award. It just seems also weird. like I feel like when something is like of the year, you have to be able to think of that as it being representative of the year in some way. Like yes. if I look back on God of War, like yeah, it came out in 2022, but it doesn't feel like God of War was part of the public conscience through 2022. It wasn't. You know what I mean? Whereas like Elden Ring was part of the public conscious throughout this entire year. Like, bro, since it this, came out, it has been referenced and talked about, etc. Bro, this whole year, I, I honestly feel like has been an Elden Ring year. It's the biggest game that I heard about in 2022. Like, mm-hmm. I'm trying hard to think about other games, and I know a lot of other games came out. Triangle Strategy came out, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles came out, Pokemon came out, but also the same problem as God of War came out in November. Uh, there's a lot of games that came out this year, but I think Elden Ring by far was the biggest game that came out this year as far as just people right. talking about it and what if i was to be five years in the future right 2027 and people are saying like what was the game of 2022 like what game do you think about when you think of 2022 it would really be elden ring like honestly yeah it even would, if it didn't win the award right like, yeah it would still if you be look elden back ring. it's like oh no it was elden ring they were wrong yes like, yeah like it, it was just elden ring elden ring came out very early this year and it has i've seen so much content on youtube about Elden Ring, and I do not play the game, but all the channels that I follow, like I follow a lot of gamers, and I follow a lot of channels that just cover games, mostly Monster Hunter pages, but they happen to do, they all switch from doing Monster Hunter to doing Elden Ring content, and that's been down my feed all year, like, I, and I've, I've watched a few of them, like, it'd be like, oh, this is my blood build or whatever, and I'm like, I just want to see what this is, and I watch it, and I'm like, okay, this seems interesting, and I move on, but yeah, Elden Ring, uh, rightfully so, I think Game of the, game of the Year went too, and we, we already kind of said this again in our God of War episode. So the game awards start off with Al Pacino coming out. <laughs> and I love Al Pacino. He's Scarface. He's an iconic actor. Um, I-, I love the man. But it was so funny and awkward because really early on, you could tell he was reading off a teleprompter. And I'm so glad that he blatantly just said, I'm having a very hard time reading the teleprompter right now. And everyone's like laughing, but then they start clapping. You know how people do. Yeah. And he's trying, he's really trying his hardest, but he kept, he clearly just cannot read it. And he's old. Like you, when he came out, you could tell he's old. Like when he came out, I was like, it's like, damn, he really is old. And then like the way he's talking and stuttering and trying to read. And I was like, my man's old and don't give a fuck. I love it. Yeah. He's, I, I agree with what you said. He's very old to the point where when I stared at him, I kept trying to see Scarface in his face. Cause he's so much younger than Scarface. Like he, his hair is like, you know, black. And uh, he just looks very, very young. So as I was looking at him, I was like, this is Scarface. Like, this is the man who plays Scarface, but he doesn't 
look like Scarface anymore. Like he just looks no. like an old ass. He looks like somebody's grandfather, but he came out and he had this really awkward speech because for the most part, like he was still trying to read off the teleprompter, even after telling us that he could barely see it. So all of his lines were delivered with really exasperated pauses in between, which made the speech all the more awkward. And mm-hmm. at some point he announces the award for uh best performance in a game, which is basically just like a voice actor you know, performing their job. And it goes to, which I didn't know, this is really cool to me. I did not know all this time that Kratos was black. I had no idea. I had no idea. That, I'd never knew yeah. at any point that I know that Kratos was black. And like, not just black. Kratos is like a dark-skinned black man. Like a fucking, he's my complexion. He's the man, yo. Like, he's the man. So Christopher uh, Judge, God is great. Christopher Judge gets up there. So he is nominated alongside Atreus. Um, and it's really cool. They're sitting next to each other at the Game Awards. Atreus is actually played by a little white kid. It's like a teenage white kid, which makes sense. I even heard that they had to do some voice editing to the actual Atreus actor because he aged up so fast between God of War 2018 and God of War Ragnarok that his voice got a little too deep for what they wanted for Atreus in God of War Ragnarok. And also the pandemic slowed down the development of God of War Ragnarok. It was supposed to come out earlier, but you know, two years and all that stuff. They, they even brought up like how they had to work from home and that caused a lot of problems. But the game still obviously came out fantastic and stuff. But Atreus's voice had to be scaled back to sound a little younger than he actually is. And when I saw the kid who plays Atreus, I was like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. Like it is a kid. Like it is an actual kid playing him. Yeah. But again, I just didn't know that. I, I did not know Kratos. I'm really good. I, I kind of pride myself on knowing when someone is black by the way they sound as weird as that may sound but like i usually usually i can hear like this person I get what is you're black. yeah like not no not in a weird way but in a way i can tell by the way someone speaks no, just like a, a familiar la- familiarity yes. all right whatever i can't say that word familiar <laughs> yeah I, i'm not even gonna try familiarity Fuck you too, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Fraser tried to, Fraser tried to no, sun me no real just quick. it's not easy familiarity it's familiarity i think <laughs> It's not easy. It's not an easy word to say. But yes, uh, I, I was just surprised <laughs> that Christopher Judge, he is indeed a black man. So he gets up there and at first, you know, his speech is going well. And the first thing I noticed about him was, oh, shit, I understand why he won best performance. This guy using his normal speaking voice does not sound anything like Kratos. His normal, mm-hmm. his normal speaking voice because this speech is 10 minutes long. His normal speaking voice sounds absolutely nothing like Kratos. It was almost at a point where I thought it would have been really cool if he would have went into Kratos' voice at some point during his Just speech. To do it, yeah. God knows the speech was long enough because it started getting <laughs> awkward. So in my notes, I actually have written down the speech goes way too long. It gets to a point where I, I started to put my, my bed because I was in bed watching this this morning. I put my sheets up to my face and kind of hid under them because it was so cringe after a while. Oh, no. It was so cringe how he just kept going. And you could tell that the audience, they did like, there was like way too many applauses. There was way too many applause. Like everything, he, he would say one thing. He'd be like, and Sony, Sony Santa Monica. And then they just started clapping. Then he'd be like, and to uh, our new leader. And it'd be some guy like Kevin or whatever. And he's like, and then they clap. And then it's like, and to uh, everyone who helped to make this project a success. And then they clap again. And he would just keep doing like these moments where it, it reminded me of a Donald Trump speech. 
Every time Trump says one thing, he stops and he kind of waits for the applause and then he continues. <laughs> so, so the whole speech, which is again, 10 minutes long, was fucking cringe as hell after the first like four minutes. It becomes a, everyone in the audience starts to like kind of smile and look around like, all right, guy, like you're kind of, you're kind of up here. I could tell he's a theater student. You could tell he's a guy about like, you know, theater students are very dramatic. He's a very dramatic person. And he just goes and goes and he's all emotional. It sounds like he wants to cry at one point. And then yeah. here's, how, here's how you know it's too long. The music comes on after like nine okay. minutes. So I wanted to talk about this, right? So he goes up there, right? <laughs> and he goes up there and uh, I knew Kratos was voice actor. Actors black only because somebody had told me before, like, I don't know, you like at some point, I think it was like when Ant was streaming the first game, somebody in chat like mentioned that Kratos' voice actor is black. But I never saw what he looked like. Like he's he's fucking he looks like Kratos. Like in terms of like his body mass, like yes. he could he could beat somebody to fuck up. Um I also loved his outfit. I thought his outfit was clean as hell. Um he had like a lot of but, gold uh, going and his hair was gold too. Yeah. So he goes up there and he's doing his thing, right? And you can immediately tell that there's a lot of emotion in it and it means a lot to him. Yes. Like you can tell it. And so I was like kind of brought into it really quickly just because I really liked how much it looked like it meant to him. And like, he really took this seriously and he was super into it. And so I started to, when I started to realize like, Oh, this is going kind of long. I was like, you know what? Like, good for him. Like this means a lot to him. Like, I said the same thing. Five minutes. Yeah, in, and I, I was, was like four or five minutes. And I was like, I appreciate that he's up there. And then that four or five minute mark, I was like, I, I can't. Yeah, so yeah. It got awkward because I was like, good for him, man. Like, let him have his fucking moment. And then, like, after saying that, like, another 40 seconds passed. <laughs> and I remember I was streaming it and I was like, I was like, you know what? You know what's really cool? I was like, if this was the Oscars or something, they would have kicked him off stage. Oh, 100%. The music would have started right now. He they would have got him out of here by now. And then, like, I was like, you know what, man? Good for him. And then like another two minutes passed. <laughs> and then I remember, I remember out loud saying like, good for him. Like I said it again, but at this point I was like, he needs to wrap it up. Like, Yo. But I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't go back. I was like, I was already rooting for him. Yeah. I can't now tell him to leave. But like At some point he's got to wrap it the fuck up. And then they did finally like 10 minutes in. They were like, all right, we got to put the music on but this then man. He's the not crazy, stopping. The craziest thing, Kenny, the music comes on and he goes another two minutes. Like he goes two minutes with the he goes two minutes with the fucking music on dog. Like he goes two minutes with the music. And what's funny about that? The music made it like epic. It, it started. Epic. It made it epic. Yeah, yeah. It started making his speech better. And I was like, no, this is not how this is supposed to go. You are not supposed to turn a cringe speech into like now it's starting to sound epic because the music was playing and people are clapping and he got really emotional. He's talking about his kids and he said, "You're." you guys are the best role I'll ever play. Like being your father is the best role I'll ever play. And I was like, Oh, that was, that was a sick line. Like that was, that was amazing. And yeah, he, he was borderline crying, but then when the music came on and it was two minutes and he still was going, I got nervous. I said, Oh, he's going to wait until somebody physically removes him. Like I didn't know if he was ever and going good luck to them. Right. Cause I would not, but I was like, this guy is going to wait until someone has to physically, I was like, he's trying to make a moment out of this. Like, like this is going to be the most talked about thing at the award show. And it was the first award. Like it was literally the opening, yeah. the opening of the show is awkward Al Pacino <laughs> moment into awkward Christopher judge moment. And it made it's, me very tense. It's funny too. Cause like they said before it started, I don't know if you would have seen this or not, 
But I heard it after. I, I'm sure about you heard the it, right? Switch, the decks, yeah. the Steam decks? The Steams, yeah. They were giving away Steam decks every minute. And I was like, holy shit, that's crazy. Like, every minute? I was yeah. like, they must have a lot of backed up supply. Like, that's so many I, Steam decks. I think the same thing, because but, after his speech was over, I don't know if you heard what the, the guy who started the game yeah. award said. He yep. comes out, he goes... Uh, shout out to Christopher Judge. That was, you know, that was a really great speech. I'm really happy for him. He's like, he really must have wanted to give out a lot of Steam decks. And he starts like laughing. Everyone starts laughing too. Yeah. And, and yeah. That was funny because as it was happening, that's what we were saying too. I was like, he's trying to give us extra Steam decks. Like, good looking out. Maybe that was part of his plan. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to put it beside him. He seems like a people's person for sure. I wouldn't put it past him if he had an ulterior motive to be like, one, he wanted to make a lasting impression. Because I think that out of everyone who came out, even the kid that came out at the very end, I think they Christopher Judge's speech was probably like the biggest yeah. award acceptance of the night. Like for sure, and yeah. I, I still, no matter how awkward it got because how long it was, yeah. I still really appreciate it, and I hope the rest of the internet kind of appreciates how much you can tell it really meant to him. Like it yeah. did, it meant a lot to him, and I, I appreciate that. Yeah, he borderline cried, so I, I totally like I, I agree with you on that. It did mean a lot to him, and that is really cool. Uh, okay, so after he leaves, oh, hold the on. Stage. Before we go to the next thing, okay. So before the next one, this happened at the start, and I'm sure you saw it throughout the award show because I think she was still there, but she was there like in the pregame show more. And I don't want to do this because I don't want to be mean. But you being the fashion guy, I have to ask you what you thought about that girl's dress. What girl? Did you see the girl's dress? Damn, did she? Was she not in the normal show? Did she the girl with the dress? She looked like she was wearing a Kids Choice Awards rug. Oh, I don't know if I saw that. Uh, maybe I did, but I don't really like remember it. But there was a lot of questionable fashion at the uh, Game Awards, if I'm being honest. Like, outside of people who just wore suits and were boring, the people who tried to, like, I don't know, yeah, yeah. do their thing definitely kind of uh, looked a little awkward. And, but yeah, mm. I, I, at points, I would just kind of like go in my phone because it would be in between awards or like in between things. So after Christopher Judge, for example, when he steps down, and the, the the guy who really runs the show comes back on. I would like look down because at that point he's just saying he makes his jokes. He talks about how he wanted to give out a bunch of Steam decks, and I'm like, well, I don't need to like. There's nothing visual for me to really see here, so he probably panned over to whoever you're talking about at this point. Yeah. Uh, oh, also, I want to say this. Yeah, yeah. About Christopher Judge. So we did say. Well, I said at least he does not sound like Kratos. That is that is just like I can I can understand that he can make his voice sound like Kratos, but as someone who just played God of War Ragnarok last night for five hours. Like I literally just played it and I went to sleep playing it. And then I woke up to watch the game awards and hearing the first, the first guy that gets up to speak is him hearing Kratos last night. And then waking up to hear Kratos and I'm using air quotes here was very jarring, but that's a good thing. Cause that speaks to how well his voice acting is more importantly though, him being so emotional, whereas Kratos is like very solemn and just stoic and not at all like the actual voice actor makes the performance even more insane to me because the actual guy playing him is really nothing like actual Kratos. Like, sure, Kratos cares about Atreus a lot, but in fact, the part that I was at last night in the game, they were arguing. They had a full-on argument, and Atreus got angry and, like, went to his room and closed the... He slammed the door, actually. Like, he he was pissed. Uh, That's kind of, like, where I ended off last night. And then Atreus is, like, talking about how he hates his dad a little bit. Not hate, but he was pissed. He was visibly teenager angry and i don't know it's just really cool seeing how the stark comparison the stark difference between christopher judge and kratos i think is really awesome so i just want to leave with that note uh but yeah the next thing the next thing they show is this really cool animated trailer fight thing 
between a witch and like a rogue, like a rogue thief looking character. And they're going at it. And this shit looks cool as hell. It kind of reminded me of Soul Eater because Soul Eater has witches in it. And they were going like balls to the wall, crazy fight scene, spells and all kinds of fisticuffs and wand moves and like traps. It looked really cool. I had no idea what I was watching. And then apparently it was Hades too. And if I recall, yep. Hades won a lot last year. Like Hades basically cleaned up the way like God of War cleaned up this year. Uh, I remember just seeing Hades winning a lot of stuff. So Hades is a really big game and watching how it's actually played reminded me of some of the games that you play, Kenny, because you play like these games yeah. on Switch that look very similar in the way the levels are set up. Yeah, so it's they're called roguelikes. Uh, Hades is 100% a roguelike. Um, it has a lot of the same shit that they all have. Mm -hmm. So they're really, really fun games. They're, one of the best things about them is how hyper-replayable they are. Like, a lot of times you can just play it for an hour, and then, like, all right, like, you do, like, a run, and that'll take you, like, an hour or whatever, and, like, you lose, and then... It's a good it's a good opportunity for you to like stop playing or if you do like do another run and it's just like this kind of burst game that you can do. So they're really fun games. I uh when that trailer started, I was the same I was like, holy shit, that looks awesome. And then as it kept going, I was watching with Ant and like I started to recognize the art style. I was like, Ant, is this Hades? Because he streamed Hades. So I was like, is this Hades? And he was like, it kind of looks like it is. And then we saw the um I don't remember what it's called, but like the crown, like the the olive, the olive crown. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the, yeah, yeah. the at at they wear like in Greece or whatever, or at least in Greece fiction. I don't know how real it is. And I was like, I think this is Hades. And then when they showed it was Hades too, it was really hype because the art in that game is awesome. Oh my the god! The first game was really fucking good, and that trailer just like absolutely killed it. The trailer, the witch was OP as fuck, and like she ends up beating the rogue and. Right before she delivers the finishing blow, she stops and says, you did well. And then Rogue gets up and she's like, not well enough. You know, like that kind of, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm mad at myself. But the the best part to me was when I think that she like kicks the witch backwards. And the witch does this thing where she kind of like slows down the momentum of the kick, making her go back uh, with her wand. And then she takes her leg and creates a circle on the ground. And she jumps out of the circle herself as the rogue comes in for an attack, lands in a circle. And the second she lands in a circle, this fucking glyph comes up. And it's like a fucking bomb explodes of green energy. And then that's kind of the end of the fight, basically. I thought that was so cool. Whoever did that trailer, whoever put that together... Uh, amazing job on that. That visual was, it, it intrigued me so much. And I was like, damn, this game looks fire. And granted, that's not like yeah. gameplay. But then when I saw the gameplay, I was like, oh, this is like the, again, I didn't know what they were called. And I was going to ask you, you said they're called roguelike, right? Yeah, roguelike games. It's, I've seen plenty the word of word rogue and the word like, because the, a long time ago, there was a game called Rogue and it employed uh, a lot of these features. And people called games like this rogue likes. Gotcha. Even though, They've made a lot of evolution since then. Yeah. Um, that's still just kind of what they call the the general genre. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, this game looks awesome. I've never played Hades, but honestly, it's something that I would play. And the difference between Hades and the ones that you play, I forget. So, what are the names of the ones that, like, the one where you cast spells and shit? That one that you play a lot. Wizard of Legend. That game looks awesome. What I can say is, Hades is basically Wizards of Legend, but with a lot of money behind it is yeah. that's kind of how I felt about it when I was watching it. I said, oh, this is basically the same thing as the game Kenny plays, but it, you could tell the budget is so much higher. Like, not that it makes yep. it a better game because of that, but the art and the, the levels, the level designs, and the way the spells looked, and the way the enemies looked, and everything was 3D. 
I was like, oh, this is just like a yeah. high, this is a very high budget version of the the game that Kenny plays. So yeah. Yeah, the first Hades did very well. A lot of people really liked it. As you said, it it swept a lot of awards last year. Yeah. And um the gameplay is really fun and addicting. Like roguelike games are just so awesome because you can just play them, do runs, and it never feels like the game's dead. Like sometimes you take breaks from them. Like I haven't played Wizard of Legend in like two months, but then I can always turn it on and just play it like whenever I want. And it never feels like you have to get back into it. Yeah. You like pretty quickly are like back into the game and you just like do a run because you don't have to pick up on a storyline or anything. You just like do a thing and like yeah. go with it. It's cool. You know, I thought it was interesting and I've never played any of those kind of games really in, in my recent memory. I think I used to play stuff like that on Sega. Excuse me. <laughs> I used to play stuff. Oh, and, like- and Hades actually does have a pretty good story, too. I believe it. it. I mean, just the that little part between the witch and the rogue looked interesting enough for me to be like, I would, I would play something like this. Like, I would try it out. Uh, the next thing was a really cool game, in my opinion. It looked like so it was a trailer, and it was for Bayonetta Origins. And as someone who loved the Devil May Cry franchise, and also loving God of War, like beat em up games, like games where you get swarmed by enemies and you kind of like fuck them up, but you try to do it in a stylish way. Uh, Bayonetta is definitely one of the best ones to to be in that genre, and I never really knew where she came from. Like, I do not know where she came from, so now they have a game where they show her as a little girl, and that's really cool. There's, like, a whole origin story for how she became this crazy witch. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought that was a pretty cool concept. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know, it's interesting, like, because... I haven't played the Bayonetta games all the way through, and I want to play them all the way through at some point, but, yeah. you know, just time. But I do always find it really interesting, because you have this established character. I know she was already established in Bayonetta 1, yep. and in that game, as far as I know, they don't go much into her. I'm about to copy Fraser. I gotta sneeze. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, excuse me. All right. <laughs> What's um, happening right now? I don't know. I fucking... I don't know. Something happened. But Contagious. anyway. Um, she, um... She was already established in that first game. And so seeing that they're doing a full origin story game. And the thing that I like is it doesn't, it's not just like an origin story where they're cashing in and like reusing an engine. Like obviously what they're doing is a lower budget when you look at the way it's stylized, but I really feel like it fits the idea of a witch origin story. The way it looks and everything feels like it really fits thematically. And I'm really interested to see how that goes. Cause she's like this cute little girl that seems really unsure of herself in this game, yes. this upcoming game. And I, it's really cool that she, to see that and then be like, Oh cool. Look, we'll see how she kind of gets to like this really cocky snarky. Yes. Like, Cause she is very cocky. She she's very arrogant. And in this game, she's looking for her mother. I think was the premise of it. She's trying yeah. to find her mother. So you you're right though. The character that she is, in the Bayonetta franchise, and then the character that they showed us for the origin story are very different. So something has mm-hmm. to happen to make her the way she is later on. And I think that that is interesting enough. And I, like you, I've, I've not really delved too far into the Bayonetta games, but I've always kind of respected them as a another version of like Devil May Cry. Like you have this eccentric, yeah. really cool combo-heavy game uh, with a really cool-looking character that has like magic and can fight up close and all this other cool stuff. But I never really got into it because I was like, well, I've already played Devil May Cry. I kind of have my fill of that and I only have so much time. But yeah, I respect the Bandana yep. franchise. And yeah, she also ruined Smash 4. So there's that. Anyways, moving right along. We were just talking about that last. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about how if Smash 4 got to live long enough, like 
she'd be hated more. I don't know. Oh, but she yeah, luckily she, she came out when Smash Four was dead. You know what I mean? Like yes. Smash Four was dying when she came out. So like, yes, if, if she was part of the game for longer, like it would have been a, it would have been bad. Yeah, Bayonetta would not be well received. Uh, just because Smash is you know the most popular like fighting game, and it would definitely <laughs> it would definitely have a negative impact on her perception overall, not just in Smash. But the character in general is what is what we're basically saying there. And I, I agree. The After this, they kind of go for best indie game, the award for best indie game. And the only thing I noticed is that the game Tunic, which I got to watch Anthony play on Critical Hit Plus a couple months ago. It's kind of like a Zelda game, but you're playing as this little fox mm-hmm. and is definitely inspired by Zelda because it's fucking called Tunic and he's wearing a tunic and like Link is wearing a tunic and pretty much every Zelda game. And so I yeah. thought... I thought it was really cool. The inspirations are clear. It's, yeah, it's very clear that it's based off of early Zelda games. Like, no, there's no question. Um, and so I was, I was enjoying watching the gameplay. It's definitely a game that I would play. Like, hundred percent. When I was watching them play it, I said, "This is something that I could see myself getting into." So I saw it nominated for best indie game. I didn't know anything else in that category except Tunic. But then I saw Stray One, and Stray is nominated for Game of the Year as well. A lot of people were saying. And I couldn't tell if they were being serious because people would write LOL at the end. But a lot of people, when I looked at comments and stuff about game of the year, would say straight should have won or give it to the cat. Uh, the cat needs to win this. Like people would be, you know, there would be arguments between Elden Ring and God of War all over. And then there would just be someone coming over saying, give it to the cat and fuck Elden Ring and fuck God of War. And I don't know if people just, are saying that I just because. Something. Well, go ahead. There, right there. So Stray is a cool game, but like <laughs> you're just a cat. Like the game is that you're a cat. And I've seen the sentiment from a lot of people that played it, at least the people that I know, not talking about streamers and YouTubers and people that want to have a personality. Like I saw some of my friends stream it who are just like my friends. They just are streaming for fun. So their other friends can watch. I've seen a, and like other people that like, I know through my stream, like I follow their streams and I've seen some of them stream it. And I've just seen people play it and like heard their opinions on it. And it's like, Oh, it's cool. Cause you play a game as a cat. But like, that's about it. Like, other than that, like, yeah, you basically just, you're saying you're just a fucking cat. Yeah. You're like, this is not game of the year. Like, we need to stop. And and it's not an attack on straight, yeah, but like, it's just not it's not game of the year. Not against Elden yeah, Ring. Not like, against you're, you're just a goddamn cat. Like, if we agree that like if we ex- not agree, but if we accept that God of War is in the category, if we like Elden Ring is in the category. There's no way that stray is in the same category uh, it's just not it's not given that is the way i'm i'm interpreting your it's message. cool but it's just like the internet loves cats so they need to relax like it's yes. just just because cat ooh, cats are cool like i don't know people the need internet, to relax. the internet loves cats except actual cats the movie like the internet does not like yeah. the, the fucking that movie True. got bought but everything else you are you are you are not wrong the internet does love cats all right moving right along uh, Destiny 2 had a world premiere and the trailer actually looked really cool. I didn't know what I was watching at first because I'm not a Destiny player and I really don't play shooting games in general, like first person or third person. I'm not too big into shooting games. So Destiny 2 had a world premiere trailer. It looked really awesome. But then when it said Destiny 2, I was like, oh, that's cool. Not for me. Moving right along, I saw the DC emblem come up and Warner Bros. And it was basically a tribute to Kevin Conroy because he just recently passed away. So they had this trailer from the Suicide Squad game and the Flash was getting like I don't know what happened, but somehow this this regular looking person just had the flash. Dog, I'm tired of it, by the way. I said this while I was watching it. I'm fucking tired of the flash continuously getting caught by randos. I don't understand how a man that can run back in time just gets 
in these situations. Like, me what the fuck? What the fuck, Flash? How does this keep happening? Like, I just feel like in every media, movies, etc., Flash somehow gets in this situation that Usain Bolt would be able to get out of. Like, <laughs> like I don't understand how the Flash gets stuck in these situations. Yeah, I don't get it. I agree. I agree that when I was watching the trailer and I didn't really know what I was looking at, I kept saying, how the fuck does this regular looking guy capture the Flash? Like, how did how did that happen? So I, I had the same exact question, though, about like how the Flash is getting captured by what looked like a human being. And I was, with, with no real context to what I was looking at, it didn't dawn on me until after. I was like, oh, that's right. You know, the guy who voiced Batman for several years and in several different uh, forms of media is no longer with us. So rest in peace to Kevin Conroy. And they said that this would be basically the last thing that he did voice before his uh, untimely demise. So, yeah, th- this game coming out, the Suicide Squad game, will you his voice will be on it. And then I guess that's it as far as him showing up in media. Yeah, unless they deep fake him. Yeah, which we know that they like to do that, too. Um, but on a brighter note, the next thing they showed was Best Adaptation. The award for best adaptation, and it went to Arcane League of Legends, and the other thing that was nominated for that was Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I like both of those. And yeah, honestly, I thought they either, were. Yeah, they were both great nominations. Yep, either one of them could have won. I do like Arcane a bit more. Uh, we did a podcast on Cyberpunk, and we did a podcast on Arcane League of Legends, but Arcane ended up winning it, and I really like that show. I still think about. Um, I don't remember her name. It starts with an M. It might be Mercedes, but I doubt it. But the one girl whose name starts with an M, she's oh, like, Mercedes. it's definitely not Mercedes. But I'm just gonna call her Mercedes. <laughs> the one girl who's like, she's a black chick. Uh, Kenny and I both agree that oh, the she was. Oh my god, she was oh, fucking insane. I'm just. Looking. I'm sorry. <laughs> and mind she you, was so. First yeah. of all, like not just how pretty she was. But also like her outfit and like the yes. shit with her hair, like because she had like ev- like everything about her head to toe was like amazing, awesome design, stylistically everything was just so good. I agree, she looked amazing. So yeah, Arcane League of Legends was really good. I liked the backstory for Jinx. Uh, I liked a lot of things about it, and I'm excited to see season two of that. Again, I've never played League of Legends in my life, mm. but I enjoyed the adaptation so much that I'm willing to just watch through the entire show for as many seasons as they do without having to actually play the game because i think it's that good on its own it's like that's exactly what adaptation should be though it should be able to get someone in it who doesn't even know anything and it'll enhance it if you have played the game or like know the other lore but if you haven't you can still totally watch it and it's good i think that makes a good adaptation always uh the next trailer that they showed a world premiere yeah the next trailer they showed the world premiere was for jedi survivor and this game, so I don't really play Star Wars games like that, although I used to on my PSP back in the day. Uh, Star Wars games always look fucking sick to me. Like, especially the ones where you play as a Jedi or a Sith Lord and they give you unlimited power, essentially, to just... It looks like a sandbox game. This one was no different. The main character was just doing shit that I was wondering to myself, how the fuck is this even programmed? Like, he would he would throw his lightsaber, it would cut off a robot's leg, and then he would call it back, and the robot would be on its, like, bended knee, and then he would slash the head off of it. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, yeah. is that a move that you do? Is that something that all the robots can be caught by? Like, how does that... It looked so cool, but it looked more like a cinematic than it did gameplay, but it was gameplay. Yeah. That game... That game looked really fun. Something I wanted to just point out, and it's... I don't know. It's not something I'm used to yet. It's cool, but I don't know how I'm going to feel about it if, like, every game continues to do it, is at some point, because I guess this game's a sequel, and I, I never even saw the first one, but at some point, I see the main character's face, and I go, 
oh, that's the kid from Shameless. Because, like, yeah. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the show Shameless on Showtime, but I was like, that's the kid from Shameless. His name's Ian on the show. I don't know what his real name is. Um, and I was like, is that supposed to be him? And then, like, it turns out, like, yes, he is the voice actor. Like, that that person is that character's voice actor, and they made him look like him. And I think on one end, that's really cool, but a lot of games start are starting to do that and continue to do it, and I don't know. I just don't know how I'm going to feel if, like, Next year, another game comes out, and it's like, here's another game with Idris Elba. And, like, because today they showed a game with Idris Elba in it, and, yeah. like, he, it looked like Idris Elba, and it was fucking awesome. But I it's am like, noticing this trend as well, where games have come out recently. There was a game that had um, Samuel Jackson. You know, he was playing, he's playing the character he plays in, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? And I thought mm-hmm. that is cool that in the game, it's also the same exact person. He looks exactly like Samuel Jackson, everything, but, uh, video games are still fantasy and they're supposed to not be, you know, akin to real life. So the more they start to blur that line, I am wondering how I'm going to feel about it too. And I haven't been thinking about that. Yeah. Like I don't necessarily like, want my games to be representative of real people. Yeah. Cause uh, look, we have that in actors and movies, right? And like, it's fine. It's the way it is, but I don't know. It's just weird because I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm just being old, but I don't know if I want to have I don't know if I want to be able to look at Vin Diesel and then I play all these different games. And now it's like, like, imagine 10 years from now, you play the next God of War and like it looks like Vin Diesel. Yeah. Instead of it looking like whatever Kratos is, it's like, oh, this is Vin Diesel. And it's like it looks like fucking Christopher ah. Judge, who, again, you know, he he's a pretty big guy, but he doesn't look like Kratos at all. Like he he the person. Yeah, that's another thing, right? It could end up taking roles away from people in some ways. Yeah, because I think maybe that, they're like, well, we can't have Christopher Judge do it because he's black and Kratos isn't black. Right. And, like, and not only that, but Christopher Judge, that role was meant for him. Like, the, oh, he, yeah. he is the voice that they chose for Kratos 2018 is the voice of Kratos that no one else was supposed to play Kratos but him. Firm believer in that. So, I agree. like, so I agree with what you're saying and that it could rob us of shit like that where you don't get your Christopher judge best performance award because they gave it to fucking Vin Diesel who looks more like Kratos than Christopher judge does. Yeah. Um, yep. so I, I'm not exactly a fan of the actor having to look like the actual character. Like I get it. Laura Croft being Tomb Raider and then Angelina Jolie being the actor. That was cool. Like they do look very similar. Like I think that Laura Croft looks like Angelina Jolie. Does she need to though? No. And, uh, I don't want us to mm. keep blurring that line where every game and then, you know, it's not that far yet, but I don't want games in general to start thinking that in order to like be successful or to draw in an audience, they need to actually pull a real life actor celebrity to make the game like to draw. Cause that's essentially yeah. what movies do. That's the, that's the movie game. The movie game is we're going to make yeah. uh, t- Tom Holland. He's going to, he's going to be the actor for what's the, what's the movie that we just reviewed recently with Anthony uh, with Tom Holland is uncharted. Tom Holland's playing the main character from uncharted. He looks nothing like him. But his name is Tom Holland. So not at all. He's going to draw a lot of people yeah. because he's Tom Holland. And the video games are starting to kind of do that. That's, I'm, also, I'm a fan. that's also something that happened with the animated movie industry where like animated movies at one point were just like given to like these really talented voice actors. And not to say that the people doing them now aren't talented, but the animated movie industry started to pivot toward like not just getting a really talented voice actor, but 
getting an actors who whose name you know like it, it's got to be bruce willis or right. angelina jolie or kevin hart or you know whoever kevin hart yeah like it's got to be kevin hart or the rock or who like get a big name that you know to be a voice and um sell the movie that way because like this guy is the voice yeah and th- not, not to say they don't do a good job they do but there's other people that like maybe could do a better job but yeah. they just don't have a, as big of a name. And I would like to see opportunities given out to different people as opposed to just The Rock and Kevin Hart basically being the voice of like everything now because that's kind of yeah. what's happening. I, You know, I love both of those people and I get that they're a big draw but it is unfortunate that them being the voice actor for everything kind of takes away from the opportunities that other people may be given. But that's a different conversation that we could have at another time. Uh, but continue with the Game Awards. Earthblade looked really cool. It looked like Hollow Knight, a game that uh, our friend Medina used to play a lot, and a lot of people like Hollow Knight. It looks like that. I don't know what those kind of games are called. It also looks like that Metroid Dread game. It has that vibe yeah. to it, too. So, it's funny that you say Metroid is uh, that genre. Now, this isn't like an official term. But this is like a fan term. Sure. But that genre is called Metroidvania, as in Metroid and Castlevania-style games. Ah. They call they call those games Metroidvanias, and that, it definitely did look like a, a Metroidvania. I like that I, without knowing these things, look at these game trailers and say to myself, <laughs> this looks like X, and I'm right on the money, right? Like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Because <laughs> that means that they're doing a good job at emulating what they're what they're basically inspired by. Like, they are doing a good job yep. at making it look similar so people can, is recognizable, but it also is different enough where it separates itself from just being a ripoff of something else. Uh, yeah, so Earth, and that Earth game Earthblade looked cool. It, that's made by the same studio that made this game called Celeste. Um, and Celeste is pizza. It's, it's uh, well, stop. It's Just, really cheap. Right it's really now. cheap pizza that you, you can buy. From you the stop market. now. <laughs> it's also an incredible platformer. One of the best platformers ever made, in my opinion, indie game. And it also has a really heartwarming and touching story about like this girl overcoming anxiety and stress and like depression and all this other stuff. And basically the story is like, she's going through all these things and like, her life is like this jumbled mess of depression and anxiety and like to kind of get over it and like do something different. She wants to like go just like climb this mountain and then she goes and climb this mountain. She meets other people going through things and like the platforming is you getting to the top of this mountain. Okay. It's an awesome game with a heartwarming story and just incredible gameplay. And so when I saw they were making another game, I was almost immediately sold because I was just like, I already love these guys. So I'm super interested in whatever they're making next. Yeah. All right. Next was Dune. Uh, so we did a podcast episode on, yeah, we did a podcast episode on the first Dune movie, which I thought was fantastic. Well, I shouldn't say it's the first Dune movie. It is a remake of the original, but done very, very well. So it's the one that came out in like 2020 or 2021. Uh, but Dune was a great movie. I really, really enjoyed it. A lot of people said it was slow paced or whatever, but they set up a nice world. A lot of the first movie was just world building. And I think they did a really good job. It's starring Timothy Chalamet as the main character, um, as Paul. And this is an open world survival. They use the word survival, open world survival MMO. So I don't know what they mean when they say survival. I'm guessing I'm going to take a stab at it that you have to literally find food. You have to rest. You have to like fight off enemies. You have to like defend your home or wherever you make your camp and that type of game. Uh, I don't play MMOs. Frankly, I have an addictive personality and I'm afraid of MMOs. But yes. 
I don't exactly know how well a Dune open world survival MMO is going to do. It does not interest me in the least bit. Maybe there is an audience oh, for it. Opposite for me. I was like, this game's dangerous because I don't want to play MMOs. But everything I saw and like what they said, I was like, fuck, I could, this game looks. I don't oh, so know. You like feel I, like you could lose your life to it. I, I was like, this, like this sound. Now, granted, it could come out and be like some shitty point and click stuff. Something like on top of me not liking MMOs for reasons me and Fraser have already discussed. Um, uh, most MMOs I wouldn't become addicted to anyway because I think their gameplay is just fucking sucks. Like I just think like point and click gameplay is like really not interesting at all. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that game is going to be this though. I think. When this game like really comes out, I'm going to really feel like I want to play it. I'm going to do my best not to play it because I know it'll only be bad for me if I do. But yeah, I was looking at it and I was like, oh boy, this is scary. Yeah, I uh, I have to hard agree. I just kind of looked at it and said to myself, this does not interest me, but it's because MMOs in general don't interest me. And then they use the verse survival really strongly. <laughs> it's like, I really don't want to be fighting for my fucking life. So I'm going to just leave it where it is. Uh, the next thing was this game called Forspoken, which looked like another kind of witchy game. The demo looked really Ooh. decent. Uh, I probably won't play it because I just rarely play different video games these days. Yeah, but. that's the thing with a lot of the, at some point, like there was a lot of trailers being showed. I remember at some point I was just like kind of rocking in my seat. Cause like they, like there's such some trailers I liked, but then there was a lot of trailers where I was like, Oh my God. Okay. Like, yeah, this is cool. But like, Okay, like whatever. Like let's get to the point. And then it got it was weird too because at some point like I'd be seeing a trailer and I'd be like, "Are we watching commercials right now or are we watching the show?" And somebody made a funny joke saying like, "Well, everything's commercials. Like we're like yes. the show is already commercials, so this is a commercial for our for our commercials." And yeah. it's like it started to like really like kind of grind me down cuz it was like sometimes we were getting actual commercials in between our scheduled commercials and I was like this shit's wild. <laughs> I agree. Uh, Forspoken was just kind of like, okay, this looks cool to people who are into this type of thing, but I didn't really care for it. After that, there was a, a really sick trailer for Genshin Impact. And this is mm. another, this is a gacha game. This is the most popular gacha game in the world at this point. And I do not play it. Yeah. I had interest in it before it came out, but then I was told that it was a gacha game. And then I found out what gacha games actually are. And I decided to stay far, far away from that because I've already pulled up my wallet yeah. for Pokemon <laughs> Go. And it's not good for if you. MMO makes you if, if MMOs make you like lose your life, gotcha games do that, but they also they like they take their your wallet with it. They're like, you're gonna die <laughs> and not have anything to leave your family. <laughs> like you won't leave your family a fucking dime. <laughs> yeah. And mind you, again, the trailer for this Genshin Impact expansion or whatever the fuck it was, when I tell you that this shit looked amazing, it looked amazing. Okay, here's what I thought it was. I thought it was a Tales game. I thought it was a new Tales game coming out. That's how amazing it looked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then come to find out it was fucking Genshin Impact. I was like, okay, like, you know, for the Genshin Impact community, the game's been out for three years. I'm sure that they go up for that shit. They love it. And they have all these different builds and all these different heroes and stuff. And they they just, it's it's their life. And I get that. Uh, for me, f I have to stay far, far away from that. So I kept it moving. Mm -hmm. But then they announced that uh, Hideo Kojima is actually in the building. He's actually at the Game Awards. The guy oh who made God, Metal Gear Solid. Um, I love Metal Gear Solid, the franchise. Yeah. I grew up playing it. I grew up appreciating it. I know he went through some weird shit a long time ago with Konami. Uh, but yeah, Metal Gear Solid is like, obviously that is his life's work. That is his magnum it opus, is. right? That's his magnum opus. And if only, if only that was it. 
If only we could just close the book at Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, because but the, the guy game who that made, comes next. The game, okay, so the guy who made Naruto, right, Kishimoto, he also went on to make some shit called Samurai 8 or something like that, and that did not do well. And so some, for some people, you know, you get a Yu Yu Hakusho and a Hunter Hunter, right? But a lot of people don't have that lightning in a bottle twice thing, like Mob Psycho and One Punch Man are made by the same guy. It's rare that people can live up to their best work, right? And so... Yeah, this new game that's coming out called DS2. Uh it starts out with a with a woman holding so, a baby. Go ahead. You has you go ahead. Have you heard of Death Stranding? Because that's no. what this is. This no. is a sequel to Death Stranding. Nope. And first of all, I'm pat myself on the back. That's like the first time I said the name correctly in a hundred years. I always get the name wrong. I call it like the Walking Dead because it has the main character of Nor- it has like Norman Reedus in it. Yeah, and it also like the game is about just walking around and things dying. I also call it like Dead Walking, Stranded Walking, Walk Stranding. Like, and I don't do that to be funny. I legitimately can remember the name of the game, and I know it's like something in that realm. But that game, every like a lot of people pumped it up and got excited for it because Kojima does these weird like things that people get excited for, but. That game is just not good. It's a bad game. It's you fucking walk around. It's a Papa John's game. You just walk around and you have a ladder and you do random shit that doesn't matter. And I don't know. I think that game sucks. I thought it sucked before it came out. I still think it sucks. Didn't look interesting. It's just like this really esoteric game that Kojima wanted to make to be like cool and esoteric and different and out there. And it's just like the trailer, no one cares. And the then, trailer they showed was very emotional then, looking. Ah. Like the woman is cut, like coddling a baby, and then some people start coming in that are armed. She runs away, punches some stuff into a keypad, runs away more, gets on a motorcycle type thing. She's riding away, and then she gets knocked off of it. The baby is just kind of in the middle of a ring of fire, literally, and she's bleeding and mm-hmm. crawling towards the baby. And then it looks like somebody shoots her, and you don't know what happens to the baby. Then you see Norman Reed, like the actual fucking human in the video game. Norman Reed. Yeah, Norman Reed is just there. He's just in the video game and he looks exactly like him in real life. Uh, This is, again, what we're talking about, though. This whole, like, using a real-life person as a video game character instead of inventing a character, which is now, I'm just going to use the word lazy. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. Like, you're no longer creating something from scratch, which definitely takes a lot more work and effort, right? To create a personality, to create a person. You are now just saying, well, this already exists. So I'm just going to have him come in and clay him the fuck up and put him in my video game. And not only will I do that, but that'll draw people in because I'm not creative enough to just use my imagination to create a character from scratch like Kratos. So I'm not, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. Uh, This is the second trailer we've seen where real life celebrities are like in the fucking game. And yeah, I, I will not be playing Death Stranding too, but the trailer did look cool, I guess, in the sense that, you know, it looked interesting. It looked like I a movie it. though. It looked I'm a like, hater. It looks like a that's, movie. That's what it is. Everybody, like, I don't know. I'm not going to say everybody, but me and Ant, what we were saying about the first one is that it seemed like Kojima had this really cool idea for a really interesting book or a movie. And like, he just went off with it. And then two months before the game came out, somebody was like, Hey, this is really cool, but like, you still have to make a game, yeah. like some like, and then he was like, "Oh shit! All right, just make them walk." Like the the gameplay is just like walking around, like you just fucking walk, and yeah. it's like just make a movie, 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think he would do a really good job making a movie at this point. But yeah, that was that. Uh, okay, so the next is the Game Award for Best Narrative. Elden Ring and God of War were in this category. I knew that it was going to go to one of them, too. It went to God of War. God of War won Best Narrative. After that, we get a Tekken 8. I think role. that's fair, too. I think, it's, I think it's fair to say God of War. Granted, I haven't played or beat either of these games. Yeah. But just based on what I know about them... I think it's very fair to say God of War probably has a better narrative than Elden Ring. <laughs> yes. Even if you say Elden Ring's game of the year, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's very fair to say that God of War has a better narrative. Yes, well, I can I can vouch for the 15 hours I put into God of War so far. Uh, the narrative, so I don't know, maybe it's because I took a break in between playing 2018 and when I ended it and everything, but God of War Ragnarok, playing it from start to where I am currently, the narrative is fucking brilliant. Like Odin and Thor and Atreus reveal as Loki. I'm not going to spoil anything right here, but like, cause I'm not even at the end of the game. I'm nowhere near it, but where I am in the, the direction the game is going in and Atreus being a teenager now and having his own real personality and him having rebellion in him and him also being now he's officially mischievous. Like Loki's supposed to be the God of mischief. I'm seeing it now. It's so cool. The things I'm seeing, but from a narrative perspective, a hundred percent. God of War, a hundred percent. From a narrative perspective, yeah. this game is doing some things that I'm still wondering. Like the conversations they just have when you're walking around. There's no real quiet moments in the game when you are just walking around trying to figure out what you as a player want to do next. Because you, is it? It's it's not open world, but it is open enough to where you can go to the storyline or you could just wander off and do whatever you want. And there's a lot of side quests. So it is kind of in the open world sense. Uh, and the things that you can do on your own, they just start talking. Mimir, Atreus, and Kratos, they just start having conversations. And the conversations are sometimes really wholesome. Like, for example, there's a conversation where Atreus is talking about his facial hair coming in. He's saying, hey, I have some, uh, my, I, he said, I have some hairs coming in above my lip. And then Mimir says, are you sure that's not just dirt? And like, they laugh. And Kratos is like, boy, pay attention. And it's just like little stuff like that. Being a teenager when you're a little boy and you first start to notice like your armpit hair and your mustache starts to come in a little yep. bit. And Atreus noticing that about himself and then bringing it up and then Mimir saying, Are you sure it's not just dirt? It's such a thing that like people, like old heads used to say that to me when I was eating. And they're like, oh, you got some dirt above your lip, youngin. Yep. And like, it's such a wholesome moment. And so narratively, watching this boy grow up, from the first game and seeing how he's a teenager now and watching him still grow up and be rebellious like teenagers are, I love it. And so when this game won narrative, I was like, well, yeah, like, duh, right? Like, it's just, it was a duh moment for me. Uh, moving for me, uh, oh, go ahead. Go I wasn't ahead. even mad. Like, I was happy God of War won. We're happy that it won, you know, over Elden Ring because, like I already said, um, in that in that specific category, the only thing I was mad about, not that I wanted it to win, although it winning could have been nice, but I was just mad that Xenoblade wasn't even nominated for Best Narrative. Like so, some of the things where it's like, cause I don't have any horse in the race. I'm, I'm a person that in general doesn't super care about the winners of game awards, but I do like at least to see certain nominations so that things get a certain respect. Like for example, there was a nomination for best strategy game yes. and triangle strategy <laughs> wasn't there. And I was just like, cause triangle strategy was at the game awards. I forget exactly which category it was in, yeah. but triangle strategy was at the game awards in a category. And so, like, it's not like they didn't know the game existed. The game existed. They right. knew about it. It was there. So the fact that they had a best strategy game and Triangle Strategy wasn't even nominated, I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? And 
Not to say that it should have won. It should have been nominated. But on top, like, it was an incredible game, great narrative, blah, blah, blah. But, like, it should have just at least been nominated. And, like, stuff like that annoyed me. I was like, what? why wasn't it I nominated? agree with you in the sense that uh, getting a nod, right, is definitely, it's definitely something that games should get when they deserve it because the nomination means a lot. It's like recognition. Like, sure, you might not win the yeah. category, but the nod means a lot, too. Because then people say, like, this game was nominated. Grammy-nominated artist. Grammy-Oscar-nominated nom- yep. actor. So that, it does, the nod does mean something. Like, it actually is worth something. It's, and, and if nothing else, it's recognition that, yeah, you did a great job and it might have gone to another game, but we acknowledge that this game was great. And these categories aren't, from what I can tell, they're not limited to a certain number of spots. It's not like they're like, oh, there can yeah. only be five slots and these are these five were better. Like some categories have fucking seven seven games and some categories have five games. Some categories have four games. So yep. it's not that. It's like I don't understand why it wasn't nominated either. Because from the people who have played Triangle Strategy, I've heard that it was brilliant as far as strategy games go and storytelling and stuff. So I'm not really sure why that was missed. Just maybe an oversight, and that kind of sucks. Uh Tekken 8 had a world premiere trailer and yeah, it looked good. It was typical, you know, Jen and Kazuya going back and forth, fighting each other, going in their devil forms, destroying cities. I saw Jack. I saw King. I did not see Heihachi, but I saw a lot of the familiar faces that you see in the Tekken franchise. Uh, didn't really see too much actual gameplay, though. This was more so like all cinematic as far as what I remember. Um, maybe. You know what? Sorry. Yeah, was- there was there was gameplay, but like. Okay, I'll just say it. The gameplay looked a little too extra. It had a lot of effects on everything. Like, when they would do a regular uppercut, there would be, like, all of this flashing light stuff on every hit to the point where I didn't, I couldn't tell that it was real gameplay. Like, it, it just, it looked Kingdom Heartsy with the effects, like the light effects, the light particles. That's what I'm looking for. It was too many particles going on. Kind of the same issue I have with Monster Hunter Rise. Just, like, a lot of particles, and it didn't look like a fighting game in the sense that like, I couldn't clearly tell what was happening. There was a point where I saw a, a lightning uppercut, I think, and it just had so much shit, like energy lights and stuff on it, that I was like, what the fuck is happening? And then it would go back to cinematic, so it kept doing this so, back and forth thing. It, yeah, it's funny, because they said, like, this was the official gameplay reveal trailer, and, like, I was really excited for that. And to me, it's like, yeah, sure, I saw some gameplay interwoven in the trailer, but it just didn't really feel like a gameplay trailer. It yeah. felt like a, a trailer that had gameplay in it. Like, to me, agree. a gameplay trailer is, like, when the gameplay is the focus and you can really get a feel for what the game's going to play like. But that's not really what I feel like I got. Yeah, I did not feel like it was a gameplay trailer either. I feel like it was what you said, which is a cinematic trailer that had gameplay elements in there. But that was no different than the first trailer that we saw. We saw a trailer for this a while ago, and it literally would go from... Uh, cinematic to them fighting and then it, we couldn't tell like how it, it would just go into this thing where it would be cinematic again and I was hoping to God that it wasn't actually like that when you play it because I remember Mortal Kombat games being like that and it's cringe when you're in the middle of a game a fighting game and there's something jarring that you can't turn off that creates a cinematic in the middle of it it's really annoying like that shit is not fun it's it's actually one of the things I don't like about Smash Ultimate like I love Smash Ultimate I, I love it so much but the whole kill screen thing, which is not even guaranteed, bothers me so much because it does take you out of it for a second. Like when you see a fake kill screen, some people rest their controllers, which is like, you know, that's more of a casual problem, I guess. But I don't like how Fox's back air essentially always triggers a kill screen, but Fox's back air never kills anyone. Like 
90% of the time it just does not kill, but it always triggers the fucking kill screen. That is annoying. It's jarring. And if a game is going to do that thing where like Dragon Ball Budokai, the, that that franchise, you'd hit somebody real hard. Then they start fucking flying through the city, going through buildings. And it's like this whole thing. I don't I don't like that. I never have liked that. I know that Dead or Alive used to do shit like that where you could destroy the environment and then it would create like this whole cinematic part of the game. I just never been a fan of that. I just want my fighting game to consistently be me versus the player and never a break in the action. Uh, and so when I saw the Tekken gameplay trailer a while ago and it would go from Kazuya versus Jin and they'd be fighting and then out of nowhere become a cinematic again. I was like, dear God, please don't let the game actually be like this. Cause that's just not a fight game to me. That's yeah. my personal, that's how I personally feel about games where you hit somebody. And at some point they like switch it into a cinematic mode. Um, I, I don't, I don't want my fighting game to have a cinematic mode, but yeah, I'm fine with it. If it's like relic, if like, if it's like story mode or something and you do like cool cinematic things in story mode, usually I'm fine with it. But if I'm doing like a competitive versus mode, I don't, I definitely don't want like cutscenes to happen during my fight. Yeah. Like I just like street fighter. Like, I, I like OG street fighter where yeah. I'm playing third strike. I'm playing Marvel's Capcom two and I'm just fighting and I don't knock somebody through a fucking building. And it takes like a good 10 seconds for us to get back to the point where we can act with our characters again, because like knockdowns are important in fighting games. Like they create tempo. They create like, they create situations, cross up situations, stuff like that. But when you knock a person through a fucking building, there is no cross up now. It's like, well, it resets, it resets the neutral. And I'm sure that some people like that type of thing. Yeah. I just, I personally, Smith, I just do not like, I, I do not. Uh, so when I saw this Tekken 8 trailer, I was more so annoyed that they called it a gameplay trailer because that's what I thought I was getting and it just was not that. It just wasn't. Um, best, really art, wasn't. best art direction went to Elden Ring. This also was a category that God of War was in. I could easily see it going to two, either one of those two because I watched a lot of Elden Ring gameplay. I've seen uh, Kevin and I've seen Anthony playing it on stream on Critical Hit Plus. I've watched YouTube videos of Elden Ring. The game looks fucking fantastic. A lot of the bosses look really, really cool. There's like this flaming lion boss that you fight at one point, which looked really dope. But yeah, yeah. art style, best art direction. I could see it going to literally either one of them. I have a PS5 finally. So now when I play God of War Ragnarok and having just played God of War 2018 on PS4, the actual art and just the overall graphics of God of War Ragnarok is so breathtaking. And I don't know if it's just because the game is four years apart and they, they did better with what they had in general, or if the PS five is actually just doing that much work because it is blatantly much better looking than God of War 2018, like by a good margin, like the faces, the way they move and everything, everything about it is like really beautiful. So both of them, I can see it being either that, one. Isn't that crazy? Like it is crazy. Just how like graphics do just keep getting better. Like it, yeah. Like when you look at the PS4 God of War, like you're like, oh my! Like not at this point, I'm old enough to not ever say like, oh, graphics will never get better than this because yeah, like, yeah, we know we know that's not true anymore. <laughs> but yeah. sometimes it does feel hard to believe that graphics can get better than this, and like they it keeps happening. Yeah, God of War Ragnarok. When you go to Sindri's house for the first time, I kept staring. I on stream because I streamed the first three or so hours of me playing God of War Ragnarok. I, I streamed it on YouTube on our channel, the I'm the podcast channel. And people who were watching that stream will be like, this looks fucking amazing. Like I, I literally got to Sindri's house and I just looked around. I literally looked at the environment. Like you could see in that video, I don't actually go to the marker to tell me to continue the story. I just observe my surroundings with using the, uh, 
the R3 stick. Like I literally use the R3 to just look around and see how insane it all looks so insane. But I could, I totally get like either one of these winning Elden Ring took it. And then we have best virtual reality slash alter alternate reality game, which went to Moss book Two. never heard of it. Never seen it. Uh, best sim slash strategy game went to Mario rabbits. I actually did when we did our Nintendo direct review a while ago i remember mario rabbits was coming out and it does look funny it does look kind of cool like quirky um so mario rabbits won that game looks awesome i want to play it i just haven't had a chance to play it yet and once again that's where that's that's the thing i was talking about like i don't understand triangle strategy wasn't even nominated and i'm like well that doesn't make any sense like yes uh hard agree uh best community support they were talking about like discord communities and like facebook communities i guess and stuff like that and it went to final fantasy 14 this is Final Fantasy XIV's first award uh, of the night. Then you have Games for Impact is an award, and that went to As Dusk Falls. Uh, after this, they show a trailer for Fire Emblem Engage. What is Fire Emblem Engage? Is it a mobile game, or is it... I like, like how I, you asked that. Because, <laughs> like, the trailer so, looked cool. Like, what I saw looked dope as fuck. It looked very anime as hell. It looked very yeah, anime, yeah. very Genshin Impact. But I was like, is this a mobile game? So... I'm going to get. I'm going to get Final Fantasy. Yeah, not Final Fantasy. Fire Emblem games. The day it comes out, I just love Fire Emblem. This is the next mainline Fire Emblem game following Fire Emblem Three Houses. So this is you know this is just the next mainline oh, Fire Emblem okay. game. This is not a mobile game. This is the ma- a mainline game. Okay, so it's a fully um, fleshed out Fire Emblem game. Okay. Yeah, direction of it is weird. Like, you know. It, I don't know, it's weird. It, it's supposed to be, from what I heard, like an anniversary type game. That's why they're bringing back like Marth, Ike, and all right. these other characters in Fire Emblem games. But um, it looks really fun. The gameplay looks really good. I unfortunately, I've kind of like resigned myself to not expect a good story from this one. Just like based on what I'm seeing, I feel like there's no way it's going to have a great story. Like this game just doesn't look like it's setting up to have a good story. I could be wrong. I'm going to play it regardless because I think the gameplay is going to be great and the story will be fun, but I'm not expecting it to have a good story. But, you know, hopefully I'm wrong. Yeah, hopefully you're wrong, but I know the feeling you're describing because there was a point where the Tales game came out with a game called Tales of the World. I don't know if you ever heard of this or remember this, but there was I a... I don't think I know that one. There is a Tales of the World game that came out and it was all the Tales games characters in one game, all the way up to like Tales of the Abyss at the time. And while that might sound like a fantastic idea... And it's really cool to see them all in battle. You can literally have, you know, Sinnel from Tales of Legendia. You can have, like, literally everyone from all the Tales games is in it. The problem is the story was non-existent. It was just battles on battles on battles and seeing the characters do their iconic moves uh, from each game, which is dope to see Indignation from, like, you know, Jade or whatever. But then we're seeing it from Genus. But... It doesn't mean anything if there's no actual plot. Like, why are these characters all together? And where's the cinematic? Where is something to make me say there's a reason why all these characters are together? Don't just bring them together for fan service for the sake of me liking these characters from different Tales games and having played a couple of them. That didn't really do it for me. So as I played it, I was like, this game is terrible. It's repetitive as fuck. After a while, the novelty wears off. I've seen Indignation enough times. I've seen Fireball and Heal. Like, I've seen it enough. And it gets to a point like, okay, how many times am I going to watch Rain do Photon with no story? It just wasn't it. So, yeah. when you describe, like, seeing Marth and all these other characters in this game and scared for the story, I'm like, damn, that sounds exactly the way I felt about Tales of the World. Granted, at the time, I didn't know that Tales of the World would be terrible, but it was. Uh, okay, so, moving right along. 
there was a trailer for Diablo 4. I've never played a Diablo game. I know that it's a massive franchise. It has a really big fan base, cult like following, all that stuff. The trailer for this, though, looked really cool, if nothing else. It was like some woman praying and doing all of this stuff and like this huge army behind her. And they're in what looks like hell, like actual fucking hell. And there's all of these demons, like this swarm, this crazy army of demons start charging her. She's praying. She's real calm about it, too. And above her is this guy in this really crazy looking cool ass armor. And he has these wings made out of literally energy whips. Like the wings are literally whips of energy. And he's not saying anything. He's not doing anything. But as this girl is praying, the demon army is charging them. And she's not like afraid of it. And then she falls to her knees puts her hands on the ground and the, the demons are about to absolutely destroy and devour her and the rest of the people behind her. And the second they jump, like the second they make their first attack, the army behind her immediately starts to decimate them and she never gets touched. Mind you, for whatever reason, she's in front of the army. So instead of her being behind them, she's in front of them. She is literally the first person that would be attacked if they were to get through with an attack. And the army behind her protects her so well that at no point does she raise her head while she's praying. She just like keeps doing her thing and they keep defending her and stabbing at the demons. And then eventually the guy above them all who with the crazy armor and wings, he comes down and he says, Lilith, I've come to hell just for you. And he like charges forward and he kills like a fucking thousand demons in one swing of his wings. And when he lands on the ground, his landing has like an earth shattering thing like the Dragon Ball Z characters do. And he like parts this big wave of demons to see this girl in the distance, who I guess is Lilith. And that's the trailer. The trailer is fucking beautiful. Like, again, I do not play yeah. Diablo, but they had Halsey do a performance and her performance, her live performance led into this trailer seamlessly because the way the performance was it was like guys with robes on and like this really satanic looking shit going on it was cool the whole thing was cool as hell to it me. was really cool the live performance something i like about the live performances of the game awards is i appreciate that they're always music from video games like yes. it's never like sometimes you see in a like e3 i remember one year e3 had like <laughs> yes i don't fucking know like like plain white tees or something like i, I don't know like just a random singer singing a random song that has yep. nothing to do with like video games. That's when they. So used I thought that to... was cool. And that trailer. Oh, I was going to say that trailer. Um, we were just talking about the Diablo Four trailer. Yeah, I. It was so cool that like, I was just not disappointed, but when I saw it was Diablo Four, just as somebody who's never really played Diablo, and like maybe I'll play them one day, but probably not because time. Yeah. But as somebody who's never played Diablo, I saw that trailer and got so hyped for the trailer that when I saw us for like a franchise that I like Diablo Four, that there's I was like, I was like, oh man, I'm probably never going to play this because it's like I already haven't played the first three Diablos, and so I'm probably just not going to play this one. Yeah, I mean that's essentially how I feel as well. Like I, I don't really think I'm going to really play it, um, but we'll see. Like that, you know, you never know what time holds. I just wish that I could call myself at this point because. Yeah, it's 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 to that point where there's too many games that I, I see and I'm interested in them. Like, I'm interested in Hades, too. I'm going to be honest. The fight between her and that witch yeah. was so fucking cool to me that, like, I would take a chance on that franchise and roguelike games in general, the one that you play and Hades. But I don't really have the time these days to get into all the games that look awesome. I, I just have to be interested in them and keep it moving, which really sucks. And you only have one life to live, as far as I that's, know. That's something real quick to to shot out roguelike games. That's something that's really good about them. The first Hades, probably the second Hades wizard of legend. 
is if you get them on your Nintendo Switch, like that, that's a game you can play in your Uber. You know, like you can, yeah. you can play those games. Like they're really good short burst games. Yep, I agree. Um, okay, so next is best sports racing game, Gran Turismo Seven. Uh, I, don't Bro, I, I hate it. I hate it. I'm gonna tell you why. We did an episode on it, our PS One episode, yeah. where we talked about like how absurd Gran Turismo is, and like the number of copies this game has sold, and. I just hate Gran Turismo just because I'm a hater. Like, I, I fully admit I'm being a hater, and I don't have real reasons, but I hate Gran Turismo, and I, I hate that it's the winning award. Right. So I was just going to say, I didn't <laughs> know that Gran Turismo was still making games. Like, I just... It has to have a cult-like following. There has to be, like, a really big community of people who like this. Because there are... Car, like we know our friend Lewis. He's a car guy. And he'll get into... Yeah. He gets to these moments where he starts talking about cars... And he starts talking about all the technical shit about cars that we know nothing about and care nothing like, about. Dude, it's so funny, too, because he'll talk about it in a way where, like, obviously we know, like, obviously you know what I'm saying. Yes. And it's like, it sounds like when other people hear us talk about, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! or something. Yes. Like, we're looking language. at Lou like, bro, you didn't, like, you didn't speak English. Like, I don't know what you're, what the fuck are you saying? Yeah, and so, yeah, Gran Turismo has just never been it for me, but it's been around since I was a child. Like, my fr- it was on the first game that I learned how to really play, like, the PlayStation 1. That's the game I really started to learn how to play games, and it was on that. So I've grown up, technically, around Gran Turismo, but the fact that it's still winning awards and it's on number seven and all of that, it's impressive. But I don't really care for it. Uh, best multiplayer game went to Splatoon 3. Uh, I don't really have much to say about that. I It's one of those instances. I don't remember what the other nominations are. Me either. I think Multiverses was in this category, actually. But I think Splatoon, Multiverses, and like, yeah, that's about it for me, though, as far as what I remember in that category. One of those things, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know when Splatoon 3 came out exactly, but I do feel like it's still really new, but I don't know. It did come out. Like, yeah. I think it's older than God of War. But right, right. I, I do still feel like it's pretty new, but I don't know. I'm going to do a quick like, Google search to see when the release date was. Uh, I'm not seeing anything yet. Let's see. Splatoon 3. God damn it. That is not what I want. I wanted the Wikipedia page and it gave me. God. Oh, um, bullshit. Let me see. Release date. I guess I should just type in that. September 8th. So pretty, pretty late. But like if the cutoff, like we said earlier, October, yeah. August 31st, something like that. Maybe September 30th. Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People got two months. Okay, people had a minimum before the nominations came out. People had a minimum of two months with this game, which I think is like, you know, you can figure out if this is a great multiplayer game. Yeah, in, I agree. In that time period. But but still, September is pretty late, but we're not going to harp on it too much again. Best audio design went to God of War. Uh, I don't really have much to say about this. I think the music is fantastic. Uh, the other cat. Not, I, I think not even just music. I, what I assume audio design means is that other stuff, like when how we were talking about in the first God of well, yes. first reboot God of War game, where like you're on the boat and you go into a cave, and then so like echoes the conversation starts to echo. Like yep. that's all audio design, and like th- those got the the new God of War games have like an unparalleled audio design. <laughs> they really do. All- there was a point where I was playing Ragnarok because this is all Ragnarok. There was a there was a point where uh, I was playing last night. And there was this character that called out to me from a distance. And as I got closer, because she kept talking, as I got closer to her, she got she got louder and louder, like how it would be in real life. And that that little thing is impressive. Like it, you take it for granted, but that is impressive. G- games didn't used to do that. And yeah. so the what do they call it? Proximity. Like the proximity sound design is amazing in God of War. Uh, I heard that Call of Duty recently in their latest game now has proximity sound as well. 
So Call of Duty has been out for 20 fucking years. And for the first time ever, they have proximity uh, audio, which means when you get close to somebody that you just killed, you can hear the people on their party, on their microphone talking. Mm. Like when people are yelling and saying, bro, 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 he's in the hallway, he's in the hallway. If you're close to the dead body, you hear the other players chat. And a lot of yeah. people who play Yu-Gi-Oh! who also play Call of Duty, they were going on Facebook and saying how funny it is and how it's the best thing that ever happened to Call of Duty. Like, hearing other human beings on, a, on an opposing team try to give advice. Like, yo, he's, he's, he, he's just shot me from a distance or he sniped me. He's above the building. He's like just yelling like that kind of stuff. They think it's so cool. But yeah, that is uh, something that we, I guess we take for granted in real life and how it works. And just seeing it in games now is making games more immersive. So I do like that about God of War. And I almost forgot that that was something we spoke about in the God of War actual episode of the podcast. Uh, okay. After that, content creator of the year went to Ludwig. Most anticip- I knew he was going to win this. Yeah, no question. Just as a side note, Ludwig, like... He, it's so crazy knowing him as just like he was just a smash guy and not even just a smash like he was literally just like a random smash guy he was like <laughs> slime's sidekick like there's this like most people don't know who slime is like ludwig kind of came up through this other smash content creator named slime he was just kind of like Slime's sidekick and then at some point he became like the biggest fucking streamer on the planet yeah and just became this huge fucking content creator. So shout out to Ludwig. He he's doing the thing. Uh, after that most anticipated game went to Zelda tears of the kingdom. The other thing that was in this category was final fantasy 16. That's the only thing that I was interested in outside of Zelda. Um, not surprised about this. Zelda tears of the kingdom is following. Weird, Breath of the Wild. A weird award though. You said, like, well, it is, it is it's it's, just, like most anticipated. Like, I don't know. It's just a, like, the games were mostly, I don't know, it's weird. It's like, you I don't can't think it win. should be. Like, how do you win that? I, I was about to say, I don't like, think it should so be an award. I don't think it should be an award. I think it is strange for it to be an award. I think it should more so just be like a, a thing that they announce that the community voted on. It should be an open vote, right? Like, it should just be you, you open up a, a poll and you have it voted on. But as far as awarding the producers of the game before the game has even dropped, before any real gameplay has come out, is definitely strange. Like and I don't it's care what award. I don't care what won. Like if Final Fantasy 16 won the award, yeah, because I'm I, saying this as like a huge Zelda stand. Yeah, I just feel like it's a weird thing to be awarded. Like you have the most anticipated game because theoretically, if Zelda announced a game every year, it could be the most anticipated game every time they announce a game. The same way, like if God of War announced the trilogy's end with God of War, like Odin's demise or whatever the fuck the third one is going to be called. Like, it could also be most anticipated game, and they could just do this every time. Like, we're just going to announce a game, just announce it, and that will just be the most anticipated game. So, like, I don't think it's an award, but, like, sure, to announce at the Game Awards, and this is what the community thinks is the most anticipated game of the year, and then, like, they just say, like, okay. But, yeah, to yeah, actually yeah. have people come up and accept it, an official award just seems strange. Uh, okay, Horizon Zero Dawn, Burning Shores is coming out, apparently. Um, yeah. Yeah, they I, announced... Two Horizon things. They announced a VR Horizon game, and they announced, I think this is DLC for the most recent, and then like a DLC. I think. I think they're two different things for Horizon. I'm not 100 percent sure. I did see multiple Horizon things during this uh, Game Awards, but Burning Shores was the one that I wrote down, and it looked cool. It looked like every other Horizon game in a sense that. Okay, well, one thing that was really cool is that they had Hollywood, the actual Hollywood, California. Right. And you saw the Hollywood sign being destroyed by this robot creature. 
And I understand in this post-apocalyptic world where machines have kind of taken over and merged with life. So like she's flying on some kind of bird-like mechanical thing and all the enemies are mechanical to some degree. I've never played a single Horizon game, but from what I understand, they're fucking fantastic. They're beautiful. They're like really, wow. really cool. Sorry, games. excuse me. God damn it. Sneeze? Oh my God. I just like triple sneezed. And I don't know if you heard or not. I guess not, but I just died. Yeah, I, I think I don't know what's happening. I'm about to, I feel like another one's coming. I don't know what's happening. I think maybe because it's raining where we are right now in the world. But shit, <laughs> you're going through it. But yeah, I just uh, sneezed four times. That never happens to me. It also starts to hurt after a while. Like after a good minute, yeah. sneezing is just unpleasant. Like at at first, sneezing kind of feels good. It's like okay, I got you know this out. But then you yeah, can get yeah. to a point where like this is now hurting me. Your your eyes are watering and shit. Yeah, like, like please stop. Please stop because you're convulsing, right? Like you're fucking actually convulsing. Uh <laughs> after Horizon Zero Dawn, there was best action game. Bayonetta 3 won best action game. There was some cool looking game called Blue Protocol that came out. Or yeah, Blue Protocol is coming out, I should say, in 2023. Uh Go ahead. Did you want to say that something about Blue Protocol? Really cool. it, yeah, it just looked dope. Like, I don't even know what else yeah. to say about it. It just looked cool. Look up the trailer if you haven't seen it. I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it, but, uh, like, there was a lot of trailers that... I get really zoned out on gun game. Like, there's a lot of trailers that are just gun game. Yes. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, me too. They, they zone me out pretty hard. They, yep. Like, I'm just like, alright, whatever. But then, like, as soon as weeb game happens, like, I'm, I'm watching, oh, like, ooh, we, what's this? We go up for weeb game, <laughs> but Blue Protocol looked like a Tales game. It really just looks like a Xenoblade. Yeah. It looks like a Xenoblade slash Tales game. I'm actually, I just typed it in on Google and look, looked at images. This game looks fucking phenomenal. Like, it looks like something that me and it you would for sure play. I am hard pressed to believe, because it's made by Bandai Namco. But like, if I'm being honest, this just looks like Xenoblade to me. Like a Xenoblade spinoff, to be perfectly honest. I'm looking at this, this picture that I have up right now, uh... It looks like Xen- it just looks like Xenoblade. It really does. It looks yeah, like, yeah. like Xenoblade. I'm going to send this to you on Discord just so you can see what I mean. Uh, and in the meantime, we'll just continue. But this, you can't tell me that this specific picture. Look at your Discord right now. This specific picture screams Xenoblade to me. Like, like that background is such a Xenoblade cover art background. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. That just looks like Xenoblade, yeah. right? I thought the same thing. Like I looked at it. It does. Like I think you. I'm pretty sure you already said this, but like. Xenoblade and Genshin Impact, like it. Yes, it has that. Like vibe. it just looks like. Yeah. Because it it has like the landscape, like it feels Xenoblade-y, but then like the character model looks like Genshin Impact. It definitely looks like Genshin. Yep. And then it has like but the tail. The game looks really cool. Yeah, it looks dope. It looks like something that we would play. Uh, so we can check that out when it actually comes out. Best score and music. So this is more direct. Went to God of War. Innovation and accessibility. Went to God of War. That was also God of War, right? Yeah. yeah. I heard God of War had excellent ex- accessibility options, which is really important because I actually have quite a few friends that are colorblind in different ways. Some people, I, I know some people that can only see red and green. That's the only thing they can see. They cannot see any other colors but red and green. They see shades of red and green. Uh, I know other people that are colorblind in other ways, um, like yellows, I think. I don't I don't know the specifics, but yeah. um, I know red and green 100%. I've talked to my one friend about it a lot. and. There's a lot of games he simply can't play. Like, for example, Smash Ultimate. The only stage he plays on at Smash Ultimate is the um, the Fatal Fury stage, Terry Bogard stage. Okay. Because it's a, a flat stage with walls, and, like, you can't fall off of it. Uh. And it's like... And the reason why is because he has a very hard time 
playing on normal smash stages because it becomes hard to tell where the edge is and like he can just like fall off the edge because like it's hard for him to even just yeah. see the difference. That makes sense. Um, that is cool. Yeah, I, I like the accessibility options are very. Important. I like that that is something that's awarded because what that does is incentivize producers and yep. game developers to put that type of stuff in their games. So the fact that they 100%. blatantly made it and called it out as something that is like going to be awarded is dope to me. Uh, cause they, just, they, they didn't know exactly what they're doing. You're just going to incentivize the game developers to put that in the game. Uh, best role playing game went to Elden ring. Uh, there's a award for player's voice, which is literally voted on by people that went to Genshin impact. Best right, real quick. Do you know the backstory to that? No. Okay. So leading up to this, right on Reddit, I was seeing these really weird pictures, right? Like it was a picture of Sonic the Hedgehog and like a girl from Genshin Impact. And it was just like, like Sonic called her a cheater and the other one called Sonic a cheater. And then like, they looked at each other really mad and then they just started kissing. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Um, And I saw like pictures of like Sonic and the girls from Genshin Impact, like fucking and shit. And the girls (laughs) fucking Sonic. (laughs) And I was like, I was so, because it was out of nowhere. And I was like, what? the fuck is happening in the Genshin and Sonic community? Like, what are you guys doing? And then finally, what I found out was, this award was happening, and the Genshin Impact community and Sonic community were essentially both using bots to bot vote. That's why the guy said, after we removed all the bots. To get their game. That's why he made that joke. I don't know what was going on. There was this huge bot vote war between these two communities and it created the some weird fucking fan art it was the weirdest shit ever it was just like this whole goddamn thing that happened okay uh after that best indie game we mentioned it earlier but stray won that best action adventure game god of war best ongoing game final fantasy 14 is second award of the night uh final fantasy 14 has been out for like a fucking decade still cleaning up that game it wins that award every year. Yeah, because it's on. So that's the ignorant thing. It's ongoing, right? So ongoing literally means just that. This game can technically win every year until something comes along that. Th- so the game would have to come along, but it also have to be out for a long time to even be yeah. worthy of dethroning Final Fantasy 14. Otherwise, this category is going to be Final Fantasy 14 every year, right? So, yeah. yeah. Best game direction, Elden Ring. Uh, so after th- that long list, because the guy was just rapid firing at that point. After that, Armor Core Six got a trailer, and I randomly, as a kid, I don't know why, but I was just like absurdly addicted to Armor Core. Like I would just by myself, no one in my room, no friends over. I would just load up Armor Core, spend like two hours creating mechs, then spend twenty seconds going into actual battles with them. And it's something I love doing as a kid. Uh, hasn't really like interest me doing that as an adult but if i were to be able to play this game and not have to pay 70 dollars for it i could see myself just using that as like a a therapeutic thing because i just like creating mechs i guess but it did look cool the trailer i mean it's 2023 game so it looks fucking insane now like armor core that i used to play was really playstation 1 playstation 2 maybe but definitely nowhere near the level of graphics that they have nowadays uh so it looks really nice so something really funny about this was that trailer started now i've heard of armor core before i've never really played it I've never known much about the franchise which is funny because i do think it's a game i would like but yeah. um it's not bad so the trailer starts it says from software right and so you know we know them dark souls etc um elden ring and so the trailer starts and it's like this mech trailer it looks like a gundam game and we're watching it 
And it's so fucking funny because we're like, oh, this looks really cool. And at this point, I didn't know from software made Armored Core. It's a game I've heard of before, but I didn't know anything about it, really. Anyway, the trailer's going on. And at some point, Anthony goes, this is really cool. Has from software ever done anything like this? This is really interesting. Like, this is something new for them. It's really cool that they're doing this. And then, like, right after saying that, it's like Armored Core 6. I was laughing so hard. I was like, yes, Ant, they've done it five times. Like, <laughs> yes, they have done it before. Five times, in fact. <laughs> yeah, no, that's funny. Armor Core is a, yeah, it's a cool game. If you like mechs, if you just like going into uh, creation screens and fiddling with things. Basically, you know what's filled that void for me? And I didn't even realize until just now. This is going to be a really weird correlation, but I think it makes sense. Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts gummy yeah. ships. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought you were going to say, like, fiddling in menus and tinkering with your armor set. Nah, Kingdom Hearts gummy ships. I have spent so much time in the Kingdom Hearts games literally just doing gummy ship stuff. I mean hours. Like, actual fucking hours on just the gummy ship part of Kingdom Hearts games. I love it so much. In fact, in most Kingdom Hearts games, to get ultimate weapon, you do need to actually do gummy ship stuff anyway. Uh, like literally to get work yep. plus you, you need to do gummy ship stuff. And honestly, it's not easy gummy ship stuff. I think that if you don't put actual time and devotion to it, maybe on YouTube now, cause it's been so many years, there's probably some guy who can do it with like the fucking base ship. And I just hate that. But back when I actually played the game and I beat it in like less than two days, uh, I had to actually like put time and effort into my gummy ship and make it really powerful and all this other stuff. But yeah, the gummy ship thing kind of filled that void of tinkering with mechs and just creating them to be really ridiculous, even if they don't necessarily look the best. At least in Armor Core, they look really cool. My gummy ship, not so much. But that's a story for another day. Uh, the next trailer was probably, for me, the best moment of the entire Game Awards, Final Fantasy XVI's trailer. This shit looked really dope. I love... I get excited for every Final Fantasy game when it comes out, no matter what. Like, I always... Because it's such a big part of my childhood, no matter how bad the last couple Final Fantasy games have been... I, well, outside of 7 Remake was fucking one of the best RPGs I've ever played in my life. But outside of that, the Final Fantasy games I've played before that, like 15 and 13, were just not good games. And I'm really excited for 16 because it's definitely a new take on, like, it always is. But this one looks like an extreme new take on the fighting system. And the storyline looks really cool. Uh, the main character, Clive, I hate that name, but Clive is... He has the spirit of Ifrit, it seems like, inside of him, and he can transform into Ifrit. And there's a really cool part in this trailer where he was like, come forth, Ifrit! And he screams it out as, like, Shiva is crushing him, it seems. And he transforms into Ifrit and then punches her, and they start fighting back and forth. At one point, I thought I saw either Bahamut or Tiamat. Uh, and there's a lot of cool cinematic stuff, as there always is with Final Fantasy games, but I'm really excited for this game. It comes out next year, 2023, June 2023. Tears of the Kingdom will be out by then. So this is a conflict just like Monster Hunter was with other games, like when we played uh, Bravely Default 2 or Bravely Second. Uh, Monster Hunter was coming out literally within a month after that. And so I feel like I'm going to be in like this weird time crunch where I'm going to be playing Tears of the Kingdom, yeah, yeah. but I'm going to want to play this new Final Fantasy game and I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. But this Final Fantasy game, to me, looks amazing. And I'm just excited for it. I love Final Fantasy games. I always oh, will. Yes. No matter how many times they disappoint me these, these days. Although, I will say, my most recent Final Fantasy game was phenomenal. It was 7 Remake. So, they are right now on a really good, like, 
the rapport with me and Final Fantasy is really good right now. Because of 7 Remake and how successful that game was and how good it was, it has a really good rapport for me right now. Um, so that's where I'm at with that. Yeah, for me, I'm not too excited for it yet just because um, I don't know if I'll even have a PS5, etc. Like, it probably won't come out on PC right away. So, like, to me, I'm just, like, kind of leaving FF16 out of my mind at the moment because I don't even know if I'm going to get to play it right away. And, like, you know, when I get there, I'll get there. Yeah. Okay, uh, what else we got? Game of the Year. So, biggest award of the night. Game of the Year was obviously between God of War Ragnarok and Elden Ring. Elden Ring won. Uh, I believe we said that in the beginning, but yeah, Elden Ring won game of the year. Uh, and this is where like some weird trolley shit happened where all of the Japanese people came up talking about the actual game and like how they're thankful for it. And apparently they, they didn't expect it to be as big as it was. I think articles have come out since the game awards saying how the creators of Elden Ring did not expect it to be what it eventually was, how big it is. Uh, but then there was like this kid standing behind them. And I only found out about this today. I watched the game. Well, yep. I actually watched the game awards today. So no matter what, I would have found out about it today. Right. But I watched the game awards today. I didn't even notice that there was like this whole meme fiasco troll thing that happened where this random white kid was standing behind the Japanese people on stage. And then after they made their speeches, thankfully, thankfully he at least was respectful enough to let them say everything they wanted to say. And then he's like, wait, before we go. And he talks about, I want to give a shout out to my like Bill Clinton rabbi orthodox whatever yeah he says yeah i want to i want to like nominate this award to my reformed orthodox rabbi bill clinton and like the internet immediately like memed him up and like loved it and it was kind of i i just i was saying this earlier before we got on the podcast like when it was happening i immediately knew that he was out of place what i said specifically i was I was like, who's whose stepson is on stage? I was like, he, like, one of these things don't belong. I was like, somebody's stepson is on stage. Like, I, what is he doing there? He's so awkward. Like, why is he there? There was also parts where I could tell he was trying to get in the shot. Like, yes, like it looked like he was trying to like awkwardly move around and like be in the shot and everything. I was like, this is so awkward. What is he doing here? Like, this guy shouldn't be here. And then. Turns out he wasn't supposed to be there, and he got arrested afterwards. Apparently, some of his friends knew he was going to do this. There's, like, Discord chat logs of people, like, when he went up there, people being like, holy shit, that's my friend. Like, I can't believe he's up there. He said he was going to do this. Um, He's going to shout out his rabbi. And so, like, some people knew this was going to happen. Um, But the thing that's crazy to me is that, like, it even happened. I was saying that if I was nominated for an award, and I'm walking up there with my posse, and, like, some... Like, who's this kid? Like, I'm not going to just, like, let this kid come. I'm like, who the fuck are you? Like, yeah. Like, get away. Like, I don't understand how he you got know, out there. You know what I think it and is, like, Kenny? I think it was a cultural thing. I think that the Japanese people who were up on stage honestly didn't know. And they, they yeah, weren't, yeah. like, comfortable voicing it because, you know, like, a lot of times they don't even show up. Like, they, a lot of times yeah. they don't even show up to stuff like this. So, for them to be there was one thing. But the other thing is, like, they probably were just as confused as people watching, sure. or like the people in the audience. And I think if it was American people, like honestly, if, if God of War won, right? Because God of War just had a bunch of American representatives. So if God of War won, and like let's say Christopher Judge goes up, the Atreus kid goes up, all the because God of War had all these awards, and all different people accepted God of War awards throughout the night. I noticed, like literally, every yeah. award was accepted by somebody completely different for God of War. Uh, so if all those people went up, if it won God a game of the year, I would hope that them all being like English speaking people would probably look around and be like, okay, well, who are you? Cause you are not on the team. I've never seen you in my life. 
But I think that the Japanese yeah. people were just kind of like very confused. That's what I think happened. And yeah. it kind of sucks that he took advantage of them. Maybe necessarily he he was going to do it to no matter who won, so it didn't matter what culture they were from. But it kind of sucks that it happened to be people who couldn't even do anything about it. Yeah, yeah, that were just like. Yeah, it was just really weird and awkward and, and shit. It was yeah, just it wasn't like, funny either. Just I just want to put that out there. I just didn't think it was a funny moment. It to me, what he said wasn't funny. Like I watched it after the game awards and before this call, and like it just wasn't worth it. I, it's just kind of like cringe. It's it was just like, it was right, very whatever. that's the exact word. It was fucking cringe. Uh but that was the end of the show. It's a pretty cool show. And yeah, so I I hope you guys enjoyed us kind of just doing a recap of the Game Awards. This is something that we'll be doing obviously every year, us being a nerd podcast, and we get a lot of a lot of promise, a lot of games to look forward to, games that we may never play, but we just have the the desire to one day be able to at least pick them up or it's try. Fun them. to be, it's fun to be in that moment, like oh, like these games are this game looks so cool, like Hades two, et cetera. Like yes. even if you don't Blue play Protocol, all the games, I genuinely think we'll play though. If Blue Protocol yeah. is like a real game, like if it's not some bullshit Genshin Impact. We'll actually, I think we'll actually play. So we, if we got nothing else, Hades two and Blue Protocol are like actually up to be played. Yeah, and I agree with that. It's like you see so many things, and it's just it's really cool to just be in that moment where everybody's talking about it. Like, oh man, like did you see this trailer? This was really cool. Blah blah blah. Yeah, agree. Let me give a shout out to the people on our Patreon. Uh, thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, this is going to be a holiday month. So at the end of the year, like Christmas, New Year's, that's when we'll take our December break. We take a break every month, just like a two episodes off. So we'll just do it the week when everyone will just be with their family or like celebrating the holidays and stuff like that. But, uh, and yep. we'll also have a December exclusive episode coming out that is only on Patreon. Also, if you haven't already, and you're on our Patreon in the party member tier, uh, we have started uploading our new series, The Master and the Pupil, where I play with Kenny's cousin Stango on Dueling Book. We play Edison format. Uh, we pick a deck. We pick one of us plays, either him or I, and we just kind of go and play randoms and record it and talk about our plays and just figure out like, you know, why are we doing what we're doing? What do we think he has? The way he's playing and stuff like that is really fun. And each one of these videos has been over an hour long. And they're only like two duels, usually like one or two duels, but they're an hour long and they're really, really fun. Like I enjoy doing it a lot and they're spontaneous. So we don't have a necessarily schedule for them, but there's already three episodes on there. We actually have a fourth episode recorded already and it's kind of just in the talk waiting to be uploaded, but I don't want to upload them too fast. I just kind of like having a, a little library of them. Uh, but yeah, check out Master and a Pupil if you're interested in that thing. The first two episodes are actually uploaded on YouTube for everyone to see. So if it's something that you like and you want to support, you want to have access to, Going forward, it will be on Patreon as an exclusive thing. So I've already updated our Patreon. When you look at the benefits for all the tiers, you can see that one of them is new. If you've been like on the fence about joining it, uh, Master of People was recently added to our Patreon benefits as an official thing that we offer as a benefit to you guys. Mind you, the price didn't go up or anything like that for that tier. It's just like an incentive for people to join it for just more content because I feel like people who join our Patreon, like I want you to get something out of it. I want you to feel like if you're going to support us and pay for it, yep. like you do get something out of it. Um, and we appreciate the support no matter what, like even at the $3 tier, if you just want access to the discord, we appreciate that too. If you want a $20 tier and you want like to be able to duel Kenny or I and stuff like that, we appreciate that as well. Uh, I will say this because most people don't actually use the shadow game thing where you can duel us and the, the the highest tier, but I'm going to revise it after this month. So we have a shadow game coming up with pretty much the only person who actually uses that benefit uh, quest. We have a duel coming up. It's going to be September, 2020 ban list. 
And after that, because I thought about this long and hard and like what makes sense for Kenny and I, I'm going to revise the shadow game. The shadow game can only take place going forward in GOAT format or Edison format. And it just makes sense for Kenny and I because it's so much of a time commitment for us to try to learn a format that we literally did not play in. It doesn't really make much sense for us to do that. So for the sake of our like lives, we're going to restrict it down to the Edison format or GOAT format because we actually play both of those formats. We know how to play it. Like It wouldn't be crazy for us to pick up a deck and play anybody in a shadow game. So basically, it just makes it more accessible for us. And I think it also will promote Edison format in general because most people just probably just want to play Edison format. But if somebody wanted to play GOATs, that's fine too. But yeah, after this yeah. month, after December 2022, I'll be editing the $20 tier to say, like, you can play us in a shadow game. Uh, once a month and it will be recorded and it'll be uploaded, you know, on the channel. Uh, but it will be Edison format or go format. And I think that that's totally fair because in order for us to, if somebody said, we want to challenge you in like right now, like I don't play she's tier. I don't know how to play she's tier. I don't play funderies, but I would have to fucking learn how to actually play that format from scratch, which is not, is not the fantasy. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to have to, like hold up the shadow game and tell the person like, Oh, I have to like keep researching and stuff like that. It creates more problems. I had good intentions when I wrote that, that for the Patreon, but it, it just does not actually pan out that way when you don't play Yu-Gi-Oh modern Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, you know, regularly. So, yeah. And it's just like too hard to keep up like with shit, like a seizure tier. Like, yes. Like that is, that is an entire study session. Yes. It would take several hours to like play a Shizu tier, right? Like if somebody challenged you right now with the shadow game, Thing and like I want to play a Shizu tier mirror match. Like what the fuck? Like I don't even know what you would do. Like I don't yeah. even know. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't fun. even. Know, yeah, I don't even know what yeah. you like. They would just combo you and you'd be like, all right, like congratulations, right? So uh, congratulations. But yeah, I just want to throw it <laughs> out there. Anyways, we have Connie, Austin, Leon, Quest, Garrett, Xavier, Hylian, Dimitri Barnes, Alexander Brissett, Vinny Casello, Giovanni Avalos, Andre Reynolds, CJ, Dub K, Dad One, Dan Vrabel, First to Home, Estad Akuma, Mitchell Niles, Midwest Gaming, Dimitri Safiris, Vince Marquette, Dallas Bailey, Roz Weiss. Nick Stango, Hansel, our two-time national champion, Vincent Zen, Sarah Maria, Sunny Top Cup Podcast, Alex Ahern, Philip Campa, Jalen Haskins, Arale Melfi Slump, Kang Petty, uh, Chris Lynn, and Jeff Luang. Thank you guys so much for supporting I Am Their Podcast. We really appreciate it. It goes a long way. And before we get out of here, don't forget what I always say. Do what makes you happy, including watching the Game Awards and seeing some awkward moments, but also seeing some really cool moments, too. Anyways, we will catch you in the next one. Peace. Night, day, week, month, year.
Thank you.